The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good afternoon, Chris. <laughs> Good afternoon, Mike. Uh, we are here the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and supposedly this is the time of year where we look at the standings and say, this is what it is. These are the playoff teams. Yeah, but we always say that at this time, and the last couple of years have been topsy-turvy. Is but, like- this is, but usually you're looking at teams in the middle or towards the bottom of the playoff structure. Okay. Right now I'm looking at the Patri- at the at the Boston Bruins and wondering who are they? Well, they're in first place. They are they've tied lost, with They've lost half of their last 10 games. They've lost half of their last 10 games. Losing to the Rangers, I can accept that. The Rangers are a good team. I don't like it. I have issues with moves that they made before the Rangers game, but that's another story for another time. to Montreal. They lost to the Red Wings. Twice. They lost to Tampa. Tampa's probably an acceptable loss. If you if, – having seen but, that game, No. I have difficulty accepting that one, but I mean, I get that they've lost half of the last 10 games, but is that what they are now? Like I said, I have some issues with moves that they made. Look, I have with, issues with moves that they made at the start of the season and in well, the off season. Sending Lowry down before the, because they brought back Grizzlick, which I'm glad he's back. I think they've missed him. I think that he is the one that best suits the Hall of Famer. But when they brought Grizzlick back, the first person they sent, the first person they thought to send down was Mason Lowry. Uh, that was a mistake. Should have sent down Ian Mitchell. Lowry plays about three minutes more a night. Um, Size-wise, his ability in the defensive zone, I think he's just better all around. I think they should have sent Ian Mitchell down. Uh, Just, and but that's only affecting the last game. So I get where you're coming from with the other five. They're still tied for first at 31 points. As 31 points tied with the Rangers for the best team, and they're they're one point better than Vegas. It's not like they've fallen off a cliff. So I. No. Losing half of your last 10 games is falling off a cliff. Okay. They haven't yet fallen in the standings, although they're no longer the number one team in the league. Uh, The Rangers have a better points percentage. Um, They have a better. Yeah, they have a better points percentage. That's true. 816 to 775, if I'm not mistaken. But it's the quality of teams that they're losing to. They should not be losing to Detroit. They should not be losing to Tampa. They should not be losing to Montreal. Detroit playoff game, playoff team at the moment, at the moment, before you jump all over they are a playoff team. Rangers, playoff team. Tampa Bay, playoff team. 
they're not at the level that the Bruins showed themselves in the previous ten, in the previous ten games. We're now at the quarter bowl of the season, effectively. At twenty games played, they've had a horrible ten game set. Okay. They've lost regulation games back to back for the first time this season. And quite frankly, they're not looking like they're in some of these games. They have arrived on ice, <clears throat> but I'm not sure they're actually playing. Next you're gonna next you're gonna start telling me that that Montgomery's losing the locker room. I don't think that <clears throat> I don't think that anyone could be doing a better coaching job. Because the issue is the quality of talent and the emotional composition of the locker room. Okay, so your your biggest issue is with what talent in the locker room? Who do you have a big issue with then? Same guys I had an issue with <clears throat> before the season started. I did not want Shattenkirk here. I did not want JVR here. I did not... Well, like I don't really care about Ian Mitchell. Here's a little problem. You can't blame Shattenkirk because he's been scratched for the last three games, which I also feel was a mistake. Again, you're starting Ian Mitchell over. No, no, no. It's it's not just the quality of play or who's in and out of the lineup. It's the leadership question. This team does not have solid enough leadership. David Pasternak? No. Charlie McAvoy? Not seeing it. Pavel Zaka? He gets top-line minutes, top-line billing. Okay. Okay. I, I don't see him being the guy rallying the guys on the ice or on the bench. If he's not doing it in either of those places, he's probably not doing it in the locker room either. It, it, it certainly appears that Milan Lucic is not going to be part of the team for the immediate future, if ever. I don't even know where that's going. Did he not join the the uh, league assistance program? He opted into the player assistance program. Player assistance, yeah. And I, I wish him luck, but uh, the Bruins need... The Bruins need a prevailing wind in the locker room, a player or players other than Brad Marchand who are going to stand up and say, this is what must be done. Whether they use 500 words to say it or 16, it needs to happen. I don't, I look at this locker room, maybe getting Grizzly back will help with that. Uh, I want to say he was captain uh, while he was at BC. BU. BU, sorry. And he was um, a captain at BU, yes. So maybe the A on the defense needs to slide uh, from its current possessor to someone else. <laughs> Honestly, and I, I know that I know that he was only acquired last season or the year before or whatever. Honestly. Why Hampus Lindholm does not have an A on his chest is beyond me. 
four boy, one of the two. I mean, I get that Pasta and Charlie are both homegrown, drafted by the Bruins. Mm-hmm. I don't see Charlie as I, I just don't see him as he he goes out, he does stuff in the community. That's great. I don't see him as a leader on the ice. No, I, I can't do it. Like I just don't see it when I look at him. And and, fine, and I'm not if you saying don't. he's a bad player. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm saying. But if you if you don't want if you don't want Lindholm or Forbord to have the A because they were both acquired, then put it on care. Carlo. I don't. I don't care if it, the player was acquired, drafted, I, or fell out of a spaceship. I, I agree. I'm just saying there are people who would say, well, they they aren't part of the, you know, they, they, they aren't part of the culture. Well, they are. They're here. They're playing. That makes them part of the culture. But if you really have an issue with it, fine. Put it on Carlo. I think that he's more of a leader on the ice than McAvoy is. McAvoy plays a lot of minutes. That doesn't make you a leader. No. I mean... <laughs> And going back to looking at that quality of player, the emotional makeup, there's some really, there are some guys who are playing better than expected right now. And John you have Beecher. To, you have to look at John Beecher. Most people didn't expect him to make the team. Ridiculously good in the faceoff, Dot. I, I have watched multiple games this past week, and... More and more, Jim Montgomery is sending Beecher out on defensive zone faceoffs. That is huge confidence builder for somebody if you're being asked to take an important draw in your own defensive zone. Okay, pop quiz time. Sure. Recalibrate your brain to September 25th. Wow, that was like preseason. Yep. Okay, trying. All right, go ahead. Dive into, uh, pull, uh, open up your, uh, open up your seance room. Look into your crystal ball and tell me, on November twenty sixth, who the top three goal scorers are on the Boston Bruins, according uh, according to the portents of that time. So, according to who was playing in September, who would be the leader? Goal scoring. What are your predictions in goal scoring? If you're, if we're talking right now, if we're talking on September 25th, I would. Uh, the obvious one would be Pasta. Yep. Uh, then I would have to go like Marchand and probably like a DeBrusque, which I know obviously he's nowhere near that. But you would expect, based on past performance, it could be a Zach. I don't know. There's a, there isn't any three that stand out. Number one would certainly be Pasta. All right. Top you, three. You said Pasta, Pasta Marchand. Pasta, Marchand, and... You did say DeBrusque. So we'll I go did, with those three because I they did make DeBrusque. sense. I did say DeBrusque, and those three make sense, but DeBrusque isn't even close. Right now, DeBrusque is uh, behind several players who are somewhat surprising, including Trent Frederick. Um, I know. 
And despite having played a third more games than Danton Heinen and Morgan Geeky, he's only got one more goal and three more points uh, than those two. That said, I think Jake DeBrusque is just warming up to a hot, uh, a hot run. Really? But right now your top three goal scorers are David Pasternak three, Brad Marchand and uh, David Pasternak one, Brad Marchand and Pavel Zaka uh, um, are tied uh, in the third spot. But sitting in between them at just under a point per game. Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle with nine goals. He's been playing ridiculous good, by the way. He's, as I said, he's playing the, he's probably playing the best hockey of his career. Oh, without a doubt. I was thinking that the other day. He's punching well above his weight class. I mean, his top goals scored in a season were 21, and he did that back in the 15-16 season. His next highest is 18. He did that in the 16-17 season. At this point, he's on pace for a he's legitimately on pace for a 35 to 40 goal season. At 31. He'll I'll be bet. 32 before the season's over. I'll well, bet if Minnesota knew that I bet if Minnesota knew that, they never would have traded him. Probably not, and certainly not for <laughs> uh, the not so no. large Ryan Donato. Ryan Donato and Cade Weber. Um, Cade Weber is in his fourth year at BU. Um, okay. 6'7", pounds, and that picked the long, uh, and he was drafted, uh, that pick got moved, so uh, that belongs to the uh, Hurricanes. Wow. Um, that pick was part of a trade... That uh, with the <laughs> third pick in the 2019 draft, it turned into Patrick Pustolo, and the second pick in the 2019 draft. I'm sorry, the round two pick in the 2019 draft that turned into Hunter Jones. Um, I don't think any of these gents oh, have seen oh. a, 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 the NHL yet. All players that I don't think have made so. Yeah. yeah, I mean Hunter Jones is a six foot five, two hundred and four pound goalie. Um, he's okay. playing for Iowa, um, both the Heartlanders and the Wild. Um, oh, so the, AHL, ECHL type of thing. Um, Cade is, as I mentioned, still at BU, and Patrick Gustolo. Uh, um, a Finn is playing in uh, Jukerit. Uh, he's one point, uh, 21 games into the season uh, with 12 points, 6 and 6. Okay. Interesting trades, uh, but back on topic for the Bruins. Um, I guess. The, if you're going to start asking accountability questions, Brad Marchand is at 19 points in 20 games. Okay. Do we have how much blame is he 
in line four. I don't know that you, I mean, unfortunately, putting a C on his chest makes him a focal point, but I don't know that you can blame him. I, I think, I think there's I would have a hard time blaming him. You know, you look at, you look at, um, you look at the team, both Lindholm and McAvoy have more penalty minutes uh, by 10 and 13. He's got one more penalty minute than Trent Frederick um, and only two more than Brandon Carlo. So he's not taking ridiculous penalties. I don't even think he's most of the penalties that he's taken have been bad penalties in terms of when I've seen them. Um, we can get into the <clears throat> quality of NHL officiating if we really, really want to later <laughs> in the show. But I overall, have I, I just feel this is a point. I think this is a you can't be the one guy in the room trying to turn the emotional tide. It, it, it's like. It, I don't think he's the only one, though. I mean, I, I firmly believe there are others in the locker room who are emotionally invested. You can be emotionally invested without being a leader. Right. Like, is, is, as much as Jake DeBrusque has struggled offensively this season, I haven't seen him as, a, as disengaged at any point. No, when he scored, when he scored his goal against, was it Florida? Yeah, that second, his second goal of the season. He looked and massively relieved. Yeah, he looked, the first thing he did after he skated by through, you know, he let out a yell, and then as he got toward the, toward the boards, he looked up and he was just like, you could see him just exhale. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> it was like weight off his chest because everybody's, oh my goodness, uh, Jake DeBrusque hasn't, isn't scoring yet. Oh my, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Sorry. Are we looking at Ovi and going, oh my God, what the hell's going on? He's not scoring at the same clip he usually does, but I'm not hearing any rhetoric about him. I mean, it, it happens. Sometimes you go through a little dry spell. Is it possible that he's on the verge of, of breaking out? I didn't I mean, see the last two games, so I'm not certain. I mean... Okay, if someone told you at this point, back on September 25th, mm -hmm. that on November 26th, Jake DeBrusque would have, would be two goals behind Alex Ovechkin, you'd take it, right? Because your assumption would be that Ovechkin has like 14 goals, goals or 10 yeah. or... So, yeah, absolutely. If you told me he was two goals behind Ovi, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fact that he's got two goals and Ovi has five. four, five. So he's three goals behind Ovi at this point. Okay. Still, yeah. No, Jake has three goals. Oh, he does have three. I missed one. Okay. 
yeah, I, I'm still. I don't think he deserves. I don't know that there's any one person that you can look at and say it's clearly that player's fault. I know you don't like Shattenkirk. I don't think it's clearly just Shattenkirk's fault. I don't think it's Van Riemsdyk's fault. Are they good moves that the Bruins made? I uh, think they're good at their position. Yes. Or they're doing they're doing better than I feared they would at their position. But I don't think they're contributing to the emotional balance and stability of the team. Really? Like I think Van I think Van Riemsdyk might. Maybe not so much Shattenkirk, but I think Van Dre- I think I think JVR is more invested than is first believe. And the fact that he's got 15 points in 19 games, he's a plus four. He's not soaking up the penalty minutes. He's having himself a decent season. I'm I'm not going to complain at all about what about JVR's production. Might not have wanted him here. Still, honestly, don't really want him here. <laughs> Fair enough. But can I live with it? Yeah. Well, considering he's doing it and he's only he's only playing about eleven and a half minutes a night. Can we ask the question if there's anyone down in Providence who might be more useful in that eleven and a half minutes a night? Yes, we can. Are you going to find it, though? Because I don't know that, I mean, Lysel's, are we ready to bring Fabian up yet? I don't think so. I think they want him to get more seasoning under his belt, topping him up a little bit. But There's Fabian Lysel. There's John Farinacci. Um, I don't even know who he is. <laughs> he was signed late or acquired late this year. Um, no, I saw the name on the list, and, and he actually played in one of the preseason games that I watched. But it, it, he didn't do anything to like stand out. Like, oh, there's something that we should consider. Well, here's, you know how they talk about is it going to translate from from college to pro game? Yeah. There's normally like a decelerator calculator that they use in terms of points in the points in college or the or the OHL or the USHL to points in the pros. Okay. Thirty-one games his rookie season at Harvard or his freshman year at Harvard. Ten goals, twelve assists, twenty-two total points. I don't know what the calculator would say, but not a lot. In 19 games, his first pro season, the Red Bank, New Jersey uh, native has six goals, nine assists for 15 points in 19 games. He's he's producing at 70% of a point per game, better than 70% of a point per game. Um, in, in Providence. In Providence and leading the team in scoring. Okay. Um, not taking a lot of penalty minutes and playing with a bunch of with, a, with several guys who are also in their first or 
in their first year or first full year uh, pro. Fair enough. Now, he's a center. I'm I'm firmly able to believe that he's not the guy I would call up at this point. Because I want him to keep developing at center. Six feet, 185 pounds, right shot. Let him let him get a full season down there. Unless, you know, there's injuries in to the number one, two, or three center in Boston. Mm-hmm. Then maybe bring him up. Um but I think Lysel, given his better speed than JVR, might add a different element. That said, in the with the uh, without Lucic in the lineup, I think that JVR's ability to go stand around the net mouth becomes more valuable because there's just fewer guys who can who can do it. I think that with a, my issue is I think without somebody like a Lucic in the lineup, somebody with Lysel's size is likely. I mean, you saw Poitras get run over by uh, Lundell, Anton Lundell. And the league did uh, of the Panthers, much. and the league did absolutely nothing, even though there was a cross check to the throat. Well, don't forget, uh, don't forget the fine uh, that came out of yesterday's game, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Oh, I don't know but, any fine that came out of yesterday's game. This ought to be interesting. Um, but yes, cross check to the throat because Poitras happened to be on the outside of the blue paint trying to whack the puck in and even the commentators made note of the fact that the cross check was a bit high because it was at his throat again. He got a whopping two minute roughing penalty. Yeah. So I think not having Luch and they, it's even been said that not having Luch in the lineup affects their ability to play physical because they can't there's there's no one that's watching over them that has that presence on the ice and I worry that, that bringing mean it's up time some, to uh, trade for Ryan Reeves <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be fun Ryan Reeves yeah that would and be. that's that's legitimately a serious question. Let's do it. Depends on what. Where is he now? Is he in Pittsburgh still? He's in or Toronto. Again? Oh, see, they're not going to trade us anything because they can't beat us. So they're not going to give us anything that we want unless we offer them. Unless we overpay. And they're going to be like, well, we want Fabian Lysel. Yeah, well, that's nice. You're not getting Fabian Lysel for Ryan Reeves. Hey, do we trade for Keegan Colasar? That would be fun, too. I don't know that he's he's physical, but I don't know that he, he's slightly bigger than Trent Frederick. Uh, he's 6'2". Right, that's upset. But that's my point. I don't know that he's... He's not on a level of a 
Yeah, but there's, after Ryan Reeves and Milan Lucic, who else is there? Any more? Yeah. Not many, if any at all. To be quite honest, I can't. I think I, it's. I, a, I think it's. I think can't. it's a dying art. What Lucic and Ryan Reeves are capable of doing, their the effect they can have on the ice, I think is a dying art. I, I there isn't that power forward that can exert that kind of physical presence. And produce. I just don't think that it really exists. You're right. It's more guys the size of like a Trent Frederick or a Keegan Colasar now. I from I I do believe in that. that unfortunately, it, it it is becoming a lost art, a lost ability. think that a team that can find somebody that plays in that role is certainly adding another dimension to their to their to their roster there isn't anybody in the Bruins system that matches that profile at this point in time to be quite honest there really isn't you'd have to trade for a Reeves you'd have to trade it, it, it Colasar maybe but Again, are you getting somebody that's in the vein of a Trent Frederick? And Trent, Trenty's been on a, a little bit of a tear. I mean, had himself a two-goal game. It, had we seeing the first goal from... Uh, are we seeing uh, the true Trent Frederick finally? I mean... I think we saw mostly the true Trent Frederick last year. I still, I still think that losing. Paul, he's on. He's on pace for more than twenty goals. He only had seventeen last year. Yes, but last year was really the first season he was allowed to make mistakes and not punished for, quite frankly, terrible officiating sometimes. Because I, you go back and watch the tape, and there's probably at least six times the previous season where he was called for a penalty that was nothing of the sort. And he still got benched uh, under the former coach. True. And yes, I do believe that Mont, I do believe Montgomery plays a role in that, allowing him to play his game and, and, affect the game the way he does as opposed to penalizing him because he picked up a penalty here or a penalty there there was one penalty that was called and I don't remember if it was in I think it was in the Tampa Bay game where it was debated that whoever the penalty was called on it it was questionable ticky tack blah 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 and Brickley was sitting there saying well I think they called it because the Bruins have been the Bruins have been hemming and hawing at the referees and the John at them and they're getting tired of it. I'm sorry. If you're inconsistent with your calls, having giving a penalty to somebody for calling you out on it is 
unprofessional. Yes. Sorry. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. But well, I'm certain it happens more often than just that one game. I just think it's, I I just think that's bad. It's bad unprofessional. You're right. And they, you're, it's unprofessional. You're, it's bad officiating, and they need to. The NHL needs to clean that up, and they don't. I mean, there's a lot of things the NHL needs to do, but and they don't. But. <laughs> um. So. I'm going to ask you the question right now. Sure. Are the five, uh, three and two Bruins the real Boston Bruins this year, or is it the team that we saw in the first ten games? Uh, I know this is. I know you're going to say this is a cop out. I know you're going to say that it, it's it's the expected answer. I, honestly, I think it's somewhere in between. I don't think they're as bad as they've shown in the last half of the 10 games. I also don't think that they are as good as the team was last year. You, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, yes, you miss Patrice Bergeron. Yes, you miss David Krejci. And commentators, including Bissonette and the guys on TNT that say that, they, you know, these two guys aren't there and they don't miss a beat and they don't, they're not missing them. Wrong. I think they miss Taylor Hall more than anything. I think Taylor, Taylor Hall might actually be the biggest loss. I think Taylor Hall is a huge loss. I think trading him away was a mistake. I I, I I'm not going to sit here and say I understand. I don't understand why they did it. I understand why they did it. You had to get under the salary, blah blah blah. You know, but it's still, I think that having to move him was a bigger loss than anybody in the franchise is willing to admit. I mean, their last two games, they gave up a total of 12 goals. They lost to Billy Houston and Jonathan Quick. I know we talked about the resurgence of Jonathan Quick last year or last week. Mm-hmm. But 12 goals given up between those two games. Previous couple of games, yes, they beat. They gave up uh, five goals to Tampa Bay. Yeah, one goal to Florida. Only one goal to Florida, but honestly, I don't care about that game. I figured as much. It's. And the loss in Montreal, yeah, goes to the forum, blah, 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 whatever. They still didn't play well. No. They didn't play well in that game. They won in Buffalo because Allmark showed up and showed out. Same reason they won in Florida, by the way. (laughs) Um, And everyone else is just sort of not produced or not been good. I'm I, I just don't I don't get it. But I think it's, it's I, I honestly the old adage of uh, there's three sides to every story, yours, mine and the truth. I, I mean, I, I think there's three sides to this. I don't think that 
what they've shown right at the beginning and what they've shown recently are, I think it's somewhere in between. If they finish the season and they're still fighting for the president's trophy and they're still in the top spot in the East, uh, I don't think. I don't care if with the president's trophy. I know. I I'm just saying, I don't think that. I don't think that should be the expectation. I think expectation needs to be middle of the, I, I seriously, I think like third place, second or third. I I don't think that they, I think Bruins fans should be realistic. If this team starts to slide, but they finish in the third spot in the playoffs, that's about where they should be third or fourth. I, I mean, real, <sighs> Just between Bergeron, Krejci, and Hall, mm -hmm. at minimum, in a normal season, you would Sorry. expect a team to drop 20 points in the standing. Minimum. You would think. So if they drop that and they finish with 110 or 112 points. Yeah, they're still going to be in the top half of the still, playoff structure. I think that's still playing... With well money. above your fighting weight right now. Okay. Unless the unless the two goalies combine for like seventeen more one goal allowances or ten or twelve more uh, shutouts, you're going to be hard pressed to consistently produce the four and five games, uh, four and five goal games, and. You get into a one-two game, two-one game, two-three game. It's literally a one-shot difference, a one-save difference, and I don't know that they have the. I hate the term, but I don't know that they have the pedigree to to win the majority of those games or the vast majority of those games. All right. Do you believe that Jim Montgomery has learned anything from how the season ended last year and maybe he's playing the team differently this season? I should hope he's playing the uh, team better than uh, the team differently than he did last year. I mean, because he quite is... frankly, his choices in the playoffs were not at what I expect a professional head coach to make. Fair and, and and I think that he has learned from that as well. I mean, he's literally playing the goaltending down the middle. There is five seconds difference of play of, of playing time between Swayman and Omar. One is at six oh four oh five and the other one is at six oh four even. 604 hours, 60405. It, it, <laughs> I mean, you can't be any closer in split playing time any more evenly than he's done this season. That being said, I think that a couple of the moves that they made, and I don't know if it's strictly him or if it's him and the, the big man upstairs there, you know, Sweeney's. But sending Lowry down was a mistake. I realize you got Grizzlick back. But 
if you look at the way Lowry's been producing and he's playing over 17 minutes a night, uh, I think it was a mistake sending him back down. He clearly has the tools to be playing Some at the of that NHL is level. Just about cap space. I mean, they have fine. Low rise, low rise money is actually two hundred thousand more than Mitchell's, and two hundred thousand that cup of coffee big deal. It, it it might keep them like the difference between keeping the two or keeping one over the other might be the difference between being able to ice a full roster late in the season or having to go and play a player or two short. Okay. Um, it's one of those ugly bits of math that I don't want to think about personally. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but I, I, I would rather see a couple of games of Ian Mitchell, who has played acceptable bottom pairing hockey um, than have to ask to play a game where you're playing, you know, four defensemen and nine forwards and expecting them to play a full hockey game uh, in, in March or April. Well, if you're only playing four defensemen and nine forwards, you're a little shorthanded to begin with. Yes, but if you can't afford to call anyone up because you don't have the cap space, that's... Okay. That's my that's my biggest gripe is I think that I think Lowry should be still with the team. I'm glad that I'm glad that Maddie's back. I honestly believe that they've missed him more than they would are willing to admit. I think that putting him with and unfortunately I hate to say this, but yeah, he's kind of like the babysitter. I, I, you have to put the Hall of Famer with Grizzly. I think putting him with a Lindholm or putting him with Lowry, I think, hurts them defensively. Um, it does. Won't get into it today, but uh, I did tweet out um, earlier a um, – a look at the points percentage by uh, for defensemen to have played 50 games or more in the last uh, couple of seasons for the Boston Bruins. Um, people seem to think that Rizlik is terrible and yeah, I don't understand that at all. I just laugh at that, and the numbers say that the people who think he's terrible are um, In- incorrect. Yes, we're going to go with incorrect because that is definitely politer than the term that I am most likely to use. Hence why I threw it out there. <laughs> that said, um, the NHL has unmasked itself again as oh, being goodness. out of touch with everything. Out of touch. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury's wife uh, has uh, Native American ancestry. Okay. Reasonably well known to the league, and to honor her, he wanted and her family, he wanted to wear a special, especially designed mask, and that's it. 
What's wrong Malik with that? said, mm, no, you can't do that. Haven't we already had this discussion with Pride Tape? <laughs> and that they would find him um, if he wore the mask. Okay. And Marc-Andre Fleury, who is a sure thing Hall of Famer, uh, and has been in the league. Ballot. First ballot, most likely. Been in the league over a decade at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, couple of cups. Um, and, you know, Alan Walsh is his agent. <laughs> yes. And, and yes. And he has, um, he, he has Marc-Andre's back. And the NHL has said that, oh, like the reasoning for the 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 NHL is that, you know, we're not going to. I don't even remember what their reasoning was, but he wanted to play it for Native American Heritage Night. I wear it for Native American Heritage Night. Um, and like I. Like I don't get this. He wore them. He wore a mask designed to honor his wife, who is Native American heritage, on Native American Heritage Night. The mask. Um, this is, is equal to the theme of the game, and that's that's the key point because the question, one of the questions posed in. Uh, Mike Freeman of USA Today's uh, question is, and this is, as you mentioned or hinted at, you know, a continuation of the banning of pride tape and similar. Um, Well, what if someone wants to wear White Lives Matter uh, on their equipment? Um, I'm not aware of any White Heritage Nights that the league recognizes or any of the teams do. I think that if it's a thematic element for a game or team, uh, for a team or the league, it it ought to be allowed. Um, and the for that matter, you know, if you're going to take offense at Marc Andre Fleury wearing a it, wearing something that with direct ties to his own household um, in terms of Native Americans. And while I understand that there's more involved, but it's kind of hard to do that when, you know, you've got the Chicago Blackhawks sitting right there, right there. And they're not named after the helicopter. There's no helicopter on their logo. Um, and some people have said that the fact that the league still has that as a part of it is an embarrassment. I have heard natives of the area proclaim that they are entirely unoffended by it. Um, wow. But just the, the, the whole holding one, Trying to hold both of those opinions at once as a league? No. Here's what bo- – wait, wait, wait. Here's what bothers me most about this whole story is that, A, it's the fact that the NHL wouldn't allow him to wear the mask. Okay, fine. 
According to his agent, you mentioned Alan Walsh. We've seen Alan Walsh's work in the past. Uh, Mr. DeBoer, you know, soared through the, you know, in the back. That was clearly, you know, Alan Walsh's finest hour. <laughs> but according to Alan Walsh, Mark Andre Fleury was planning on wearing the mask anyway. And the NHL threatened the organization with a yes. fine. Yeah. So first they threatened Mark Andre and said, if you wear it, you're going to get fined. He said, fine, I'll pay the fine. You know, I, I'm going to wear this mask. It was designed by Cole Redhorse, Cole Redhorse Taylor. It's got a quote from his dad on the back of it. It's got his names of his kids on it. it. It honors his wife. And he says, you know what? Fine, I'll pay the fine. Because they wouldn't even let him wear it during warmups. He couldn't wear it at all. That was the rule. That was what they decided. So he said, fine, I'll pay the fine, I'll wear it. And they said, oh, well, if you do, hold on. They called Minnesota, they called Bill Guerin or whoever and said, look, if he wears this mask, not only are we finding him, we're finding you as well. Are you serious? Oh, they're serious <laughs> and seriously deluded. I was just about to use that word. Thank you. They called the the organization and threatened to find the organization. Wow. I'm sorry. That's just, it's childish. More than anything, it's childish. The NHL's handling of the Pride tape, the Native American Heritage Mask. Did you watch the Florida Panthers game? I I did watch part of it, yeah. Did you see Bobrovsky's mask? I did not take note of it. It was purple. What is purple about the Florida Panthers uniform? The answer would be nothing. Mm-hmm. The reason he wore the mask was because, oh, wait, purple is the color of hockey fights cancer. Did they have a problem with him wearing something not related to his own color scheme from his own uniform? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Did they fine him for wearing something? Uh, Not that I've heard. So why is it okay for one and not the other? That's all I have to say about that. This is bullshit. Um, Bull stuff. It is definitely bull stuff. I'm sorry. He wanted to honor his wife. Who happens to be a member. Happens to be. What is it? The prairie. I want to get this right because I don't want to mess this up. The Prairie Island Indian community. And that's how they term themselves. Yes. I'm sorry. Why? How can you possibly have an issue with this? And he's wearing it on the night that the Minnesota Wild are honoring Native American heritage. So it's mm-hmm. not like it's out of theme. <laughs> I it's like I have to laugh because if I no, don't, don't I don't know what else I'm going to do. The the stupidity on the part of the NHL right now is just going to, Yeah, well it's it's certainly achieving new heights, that's for sure. It's so a, <sighs> the other day Bruins played the Bruins and Rangers played, and it was a day ending in Y. 
um, and Jacob Truber was on the ice. So he got uh, noticed. Um, there's a tweet with a short video clip of a two-hander to the head of Trent Frederick by Jacob Truba. Two-hander, huh? That's nice. Literally two hands um, in... I this There was no call on the eyes. Well, it was a shock. The league did find him the 5,000 that is the maximum for a high stick. Okay, so he said, hold on, let me dig out some pocket change. Yeah, he makes uh, like eight, hold on. He makes like $8 million a year, so. Yes. But looking at this, mm-hmm. this is worse than what McAvoy was was suspended for four days ago. Or last week for four games. Oh, I have no like, doubt. This is not a follow through on a shot. His his balance is what in. the hell? That's a baseball swing. He he's not unbalanced. Trent Frederick has not you know given him a cup check or speared him or even like there's no like contact above the neck roughing. There is no slew foot. There's nothing involved. There's nothing going on here. Unbalanced. He looks like he's swinging at a fastball. I've defended Jacob Truba a lot because I do think that most of his most of his body checks are clean. There's nothing to defend here. This this should be a suspension, a multiple game suspension, maximum, whatever. Yeah, he literally just. Like I said, it, fastball. It, it looks as much like a very weird golf swing as anything else. No, it's too high to be golf. No, 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 no. That's not that's not golf swing. That's wow. Yeah, no. What the hell? But no suspension. Because apparently it's open season on Boston, on Trent Frederick or the Boston Bruins. Um, I, I I love the and this 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 tweet that you found is from scouting the refs. Yep. Okay. And the caption on the video is, or the 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 po- the the blurb above the video is, Rangers Jacob Truba picks up a $5,000 fine for this high stick on Bruins Trent Trent Frederick. Um, High stick, that's like, no, that's a baseball swing. High sticking is when the blade accidentally comes up, catches a guy under the visor. You know, sometimes you you draw blood and it's a four-minute penalty. Sometimes you don't. No, this is obvious intent he swings at frederick's head this is how does the how do the dopes not look at this and actually give him like four to six or seven games this is intent to injure if i've ever seen it wow and this again, is the first time i'm seeing it like i said i did not see the Bru- the rangers game i missed and it again i have defended jacob truba 
on multiple occasions, multiple occasions, way more times than I have criticized him. If this were against my least favorite player in the league, I would still be saying this should have been a suspension. Oh. Yeah. How it's not is beyond me. And what is the criteria? I mean, you watch the, the player safety videos and they give you, they lay out all of the, the little intricacies. And because it was this and because it was that, he was issued a four game. You know, how do you not look at that and actually suspend him? I want to know what the Department of Player Safety has to say in defense of this act. That's what I would love to know. Because there is no defending that act. He literally, when you said two-hander, I thought, okay, you know. No, he literally swing, crack. Last time I saw something like that was Marty McSorley hitting Briere up in the head from behind. It was a two-hander, baseball swing, whack Briere in the head. And in Canada, because he was playing, it, it happened, I believe it happened in Canada, they actually charged him with assault. This is awful. I, I mean, Frederick doesn't go down. I don't know if they pulled him off the ice. I don't know if they have spotters. That say, hey, you know, you got to take him off the ice and check him for. But that was wow, no. I'm, I'm clearly not seeing it at full speed, but I don't get this. I, I understand if only the officials on the ice missed it, whatever, bad. But it's not involved with the puck. Like the puck is over in front of uh, in front of their goaltender. Um, he's attempting to make a save. Well, clearly There's, he's not a, he's not attempting to play the puck because his stick isn't down on the ice. His stick is swinging at a guy who's five foot nine. His stick starts at knee level and rises from there. Holy cow! <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just no. There there is no defending this. I and yet Department of Player Safety doesn't feel the and the need to investigate. Oh, but they they gave him a fine. Yes, the equivalent of this fine is me having to pay the toll on the Tobin Bridge. I don't disagree with you. I'm sorry, $5,000 for a guy who makes $8 million a year, because I'm pretty sure that's what his contract was. So I guess we know what our uh, will he or won't he question for next uh, – will he or won't he poll is going to be? Will he or won't he, in this case, uh, Jacob Truba, be targeted uh, in the Bruins' next game against the Rangers on – on the 16th of December. Is it going to fester for two weeks or are they going to forget about it between now and then? I mean, clearly, clearly Florida I might tweet didn't. This, 
I might tweet this to all of the players who have an account, this video, before that game. <laughs> I mean, clearly Florida didn't forget about what um, the Hall of Famer did to, uh, was it, who did he do it to, Lundell? I don't even remember. Yeah. Lomborg. No, Lomborg, I think it was. Lomborg. But I, I, regardless, they clearly remembered because when they opened the game, when they opened the Panthers game, it was free season on 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 Charlie McAvoy. So they clearly, I, you know, you take a number, you remember. I'm, I don't think they'll forget. But yeah, a little bit of a reminder might not might not hurt either. But yes, he makes. He's still got this season plus two more left on his contract, eight million dollars per. You find him five thousand dollars. You find him the price, you the equivalent of a price of a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Um, using the numbers uh, that someone in the uh, comments on this uh, on this tweet made, he earns that in about three minutes of game time. Yeah, and yet that's a suitable penalty. Suitable. Hey, that's what the CBA says. Um, no, no, no. I know that that's the maximum, but I'm saying the Department of Player Safety felt that that was a suitable punishment for what he did to Trent Frederick. Like he literally, I, I, I like can't discuss this anymore because we're going to get into uh, breaking our language rules. And which I um, which I pretty much did a few minutes ago. So almost did. I caught myself. Um. You have a very interesting question at the beginning in the first segment there, and my, <laughs> gut, insti- my gut instinct is the answer is fairly obvious, but um, but is it really? Let's dive into it. Well, I was looking at you know, I'm trying not to look at the standings every week, but I'm trying to understand what's going on in the NHL every week. So unfortunately you have to start with standings and I'm looking at them. And based on that and some discussion I heard from the the guys at TNT talking about how bad the Oilers were and the fact that they had the goaltending had allowed four goals in the first 12 minutes of a game that was happening that night and how bad their defense went. And I'm looking at the standings. I'm saying, the Sharks are literally three points behind Edmonton. They are two points behind. Uh, memory escapes me who I'm even thinking about at this point. Go ahead. Uh, Chicago, perhaps? Chicago, thank you. Yes. So, yeah, by virtue of the fact that they only have 10 points, they are the worst team. In, you know, record wise, they are the worst team, or points wise, they are the worst team. But. Are they really? Edmonton should be a hell of a lot better than 13 points. That's the thing. Edmonton should be. Minnesota Wild have 14 points. Uh, Yes, San Jose is a minus 55. Their their, their Their goal differential is ridiculous. But they had a couple of games where they allowed 10 plus goals, where they allowed 10 goals. I just... I'm not trying to defend what San Jose is doing. I think this is more uh, uh, an example of just how bad the Edmonton Oilers are. I, 
Blackhawks, they are in well, a rebuild. The they admitted- have at least some semi-redeeming qualities. Semi-redeeming. Which would be what? That they um, have that they have one of our one of your favorite and became one yeah, of my favorite Oilers. guys. Uh, let's see, goals against um, now it's the goals. Edmonton Oilers have a minus fourteen goal differential. They've scored fifty eight and allowed seventy two. Um, in terms of like the hard team stats. San Jose has is the only team, despite having played more games than most, not to have hit 40 goals yet. They've got 34 goals through 21 games. The Washington Capitals have 41 goal games, uh, 41 goals scored in only 17 games. I mean, San Jose is the only team in the NHL that doesn't have an away a road victory. They're 0 9 and 0 on the road, but they actually have more home wins than the Oilers. They have more home wins than the Wild. How many ga- How many more games have they played at home than the Wild? Uh, home San Jose has played 12. Minnesota has played nine. Edmonton has played eight. So, yes, they've played more games at home as well. They do have more games played. Yeah, they played 21 to Edmonton's 19 to Minnesota's 18. I just – I it, it just – yes, they are the worst team – they are the worst team as far as points percentage and points total. But – And in terms of goals allowed – I, I think that you have to consider that Edmonton is actually the worst team in the NHL because you have on that team a guy by the name of Connor McDavid. You have on that team a guy by the name of Leon Dreisaitl. Um Unfortunately, you've decided not to focus on the defense. You've decided not to focus on goaltending. And you're paying 40 percent of your salary to two or 25 percent of your salary cap or whatever it is to two guys. It's absolutely ludicrous, and I feel for Ken Holland because he took over that situation, but he hasn't done anything to improve it either. Well, that was that was one of my questions. Um, <laughs> Sorry, when, I didn't mean to jump ahead. When Pierre Dorian was let go is who's on the hot seat, and right now you, you definitely have to look at Holland. Yes. Um. But you look at the player at the Oilers. You, t- you mentioned Dreisaitl and McDavid. Both of them are over a point per game. Connor McDavid is at what is a low pace for him with 20 points uh, through uh, through 17 games. And Leon Dreisaitl is at 26 points through 19 games. Zach Hyman actually leads them in goal scoring with 10 and Evander Kane is very quietly putting up has very quietly put up 17 points through uh, nine games or 19 games, and he's second in goal scoring. This team doesn't have an offense problem; it has no defense. It's had no defense forever, and their goaltending is iffy for the 80s. 
their highest goal, their highest save percentage among their three goaltenders is an 891. And that guy's only played two games. It's also a guy who doesn't have a win. Hasn't played. I honestly can't remember the last time Calvin Pickard actually played in the NHL. I have to look it up. I mean, before this season, it was it has to be like at least two years. He hasn't played in the NHL since 2021-22 season, where he played three games with the Detroit Red Wings. He had one win, one loss. He only started one of those games, so which one he started, I don't know. But he had he had three he had three appearances, three appearances. One yeah, win, he came one in loss, a couple of times. Uh, and back then, and even then, two years ago, he goals against was a four three zero and an eight seventy five. Guess what that team had? Sort of like the Oilers. Oh wait, it was no defense. They were bad. <laughs> I mean, after legitimately, without any, without piling on, without, without dumping on the team. No, the Oilers deserve to be dumped on. Sorry, and they deserve they they do most definitely deserve it. And I, I'm more I'm more talking about the front office than the than the players. The players are the players are the players, and mm-hmm. most of them you knew something about before they got there. Looking at their blue line um, or their blue suggestion, um, <laughs> a line implies some sort of solidity. Um, after Echo, after Darnell Echo Nurse, Nurse, I'm gonna say after Echo and Nurse, <laughs> and then five guys like Cody literally, Cece. they should go start a restaurant chain. Um, maybe call it guys number uh, five dudes instead of five guys so they don't get sued too badly. Well, you don't want copyright infringement, yes, because I can't. Call them defensemen. Well, ODCC, yes, again. he's played on the blue line for a number of years. He's 29 years old. They are listed as defensemen. Um, but uh, Stuart Skinner was supposed to be, I mean, first of all, Jack Campbell coming out of L.A., going to Toronto, supposed to be a stud. Uh, oops. Nope. Stuart Skinner, who even I thought, you know, well, he's got a chance, you know, better than the other clown that they had that wore number 19 in that. And I can't remember his name right now because that's how good he was. But Stuart Skinner was supposed to be. Nope. Sorry. That you have to go and get Calvin Pickard, who actually has a less than three goals against average. In two games. Or two appearances. And an 891 say Yeah. I, I, I still say that the Sharks are a worse team. I don't but I can't I, think of a bigger disappointment than the Edmonton Oilers. Okay. I still think that the, I, I still think that based on the fact that the Oilers. <sighs> having made the playoffs and making the playoff runs that they've done over the last couple of seasons and to have this 
I think that they are actually the worst team in the NHL right now. I think the Sharks, I, I, I'm, I'm actually willing to give the Sharks a break. <laughs> I mean, you can't complain about Chicago. They've openly admitted that they are in a rebuild. This is what they're doing. This is where it's going. And I've seen some things that I've seen some articles that talk about how bad Seth Jones is. It's like uh, you realize that Seth Jones doesn't really have anybody around him right now, right? <laughs> that team has three rookies on defense playing on each of the three pair defensive pairs. Well, people Come in on. Chicago are complaining. People, fans of Chicago Blackhawks are complaining that Seth Jones actually, well, they use the S word, you know, sucks. Um, and I just question their perception of the game as a whole. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I was trying to think of a way to phrase it and it's Seth Jones. (laughs) One of the best defensemen in the NHL. Yeah. Okay. But this team, they have no, you, you're, I know we go off on Toronto and the fact that they don't know what defense is and this and that, but then they went out and got uh, Giordano. They had Jake Muzzin. They're at least trying. Yes. This is just awful. <laughs> I'm sorry, just awful. Okay, so let's let's switch it up a little bit and go to something that will cheer you up. Okay. The PWHL has unveiled its logo. Oh, goodness, I found this one, too. Uh, yes, they've, they they unveiled their logo. It was actually last – it was actually in October, so I apologize for getting this story out there late. But I saw it on the other, on the other night. They were talking to uh, – on, on Nesson, they were talking to Danielle Marmer, and – Underneath her name, she's listed as the general manager of PWHL Boston. Yeah. My first, and of course, my first thought was, um, "Oh wait, what's the name of the franchise?" <laughs> Which, by the way, they still don't have names for their six franchises or their six organizations. And Jack and Brick asked Hillary Knight this, this that question two nights two games ago. Mm-hmm. She was in the booth for the second period and did a and did a spectacular job. Um, I can absolutely see Hillary Knight in a booth when she hangs up the skates in ten or fifteen years when she finally slows down. So I would believe that, but then I started looking into the logo because it did PWHL Professional Women's Hockey League, and I'm looking into it and. It says right on not only in the article that I found from ESPN, but it also says right on the PWHL website that the focus is on the W in the PWHL. They've got a puck. They've got cross sticks uh, representing the hockey and the fact that they're part of the W and the fact that the six pieces of the W represent the six original franchises, which is all well and good, except that. The the Premier Hockey Federation, which was swallowed up or whatever term you want to use, cannibalized. 
Yeah, cannibalized. There we go. Certainly merged is not a correct term for this farce. Um, They were trying to downplay the whole men versus women thing or the fact that the league was a woman. They wanted to focus on the hockey. I would I wouldn't say that they were downplaying the women part. I would say that they were hockey first and they made it about hockey. Um, it about the hockey and not about gender. And I have more nieces than I can count. Um, enough female cousins to for at least one hockey team. You know, when we all went out as kids uh, with my guy cousins and my brothers and stuff like that, and we played – you know, we played, you know, touch football in the yard or tennis. It was the game that was important. It was the game that we decided on. Yep. It wasn't. Oh, we weren't playing something that the girls can play. We were playing something with everyone. And it was the sport that was more important. I. If there's going to be a reasonably okay or better quality hockey game on TV. I don't care if it's men, women, goats, um, or, or giraffes playing. I want it to be hockey. I want to know it's hockey from the word go. I, I don't like anything other than the fact that there will actually be professional women's hockey um, that has been done since the P uh, since the uh, PHF was cannibalized. I'm hopeful the product is good. I'm hopeful that the players are treated well and that the league expands. Um, I firmly believe that they probably could have added Quebec City and 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 a fourth U.S. team and started off with an original eight giving them something distinct from the NHL. Honestly, not I think the original, a, honestly, not I think, the NHL actually started with six teams, but those were the six right. teams that were in place for decades before the expansion to 12 and then to 21 and then to uh, the present day 32. I honestly believe there was enough talent between the PWHPA and the PHF. I honestly believe there was enough talent that you could have fielded another two teams. Without without watering down watering down the product, I I really believe that you could have fielded eight teams, expand you know expand a little. I just think that you spent the team that you can the the league that you cannibalized. There is, in my opinion, there really isn't anything left of it. you basically swallowed them up. They call it merging or whatever. I don't know, but yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like what GameStop did to EV games many years ago. Mm-hmm. It was a merger. No, it wasn't. This wasn't a merger either because there really isn't aside from the fact that there are a couple of like Boston had a PHF franchise there, are, you know, Minnesota had a PHF franchise. That's about the only thing that's left of the PHF is that some of the cities still have a team. But 
Those were some of the most logical cities ever. Yeah, Minnesota, Minnesota, Boston. I don't know if that makes sense to have hockey there. Yeah, okay. If you go to the PWHL website, there isn't a whole lot there because there isn't a whole lot. But you go to frequently asked questions. You can find questions on like tickets or whatever. Not that there's answers to those questions. Um. When does the season start? Well, the season starts in January 2024 and goes through June of 2024, and then they have a playoffs for afterward. But there's no dates. There's no schedules. There's no nothing. There's no final. Oddly enough, there's not in the frequently asked questions. You would think the first one at the top of the list would be what are the names of the franchises? But no, that's not there at all. Uh, what's the trophy that they're going to play for, Paul? What's the playoff format style? Um, yeah, that question's not there either. What's, what, what's a trophy? Yeah. I wonder if the, I wonder if they'll actually take that. They'll, they'll keep calling it the Isabel Cup. Probably not. I'm guessing no. Yeah, you and me both. Someone probably threw that in a landfill uh, based on the way that they've uh, treated the legacy of the PHL. I firmly believe that there is a place for a national women's hockey league. Uh, but I think that the PWHL is going about it the wrong way. I am I am not impressed thus far. Um, yeah. That said, we do have a few minutes left uh, okay. because you had the uh, you had a story on uh, Buffalo. <laughs> I, I love finding things in the last moments before we actually start the show. And I'm looking uh, I'm looking around, and one of the things that caught my eye, I was trying to figure out about Buffalo and how they were doing. And, and obviously, we have, a fan, we have a favorite that plays for that team. And I see this article. It's a fan-sided article, so it's written by somebody who, you know, its focus is on Buffalo. Um. Sean and I don't want to Sean Sion I don't want to mispronounce I apologize last name is Fox F A W um three offseason moves Buffalo Sabres might already be regretting and unfortunately the first move that they list is our boy Connor Clifton and the signing of Connor Clifton Apparently, this is a mistake that they are regretting or possibly regretting because even though he's being physical and everything else, well, his on-ice save percentage and they start getting into advanced metrics. So, But the thing is, and they list it here, and the same thing with Eric Johnson. Mm -hmm. Apparently, he's the second mistake. So apparently, defense – is and 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 paying attention to the defense is a problem, and that they made these mistakes because they signed Eric Johnson. He's 35. Wouldn't that give you kind of an insight that you know you might not be getting because his ice time is down to 14, just slightly under 15 minutes per game. He's 35. But 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 he's a former number one overall pick. Oh yes 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 yes. And he played for a team that was offensive-minded first. So he had to 
carry the load quite a bit in the defensive end for the Colorado Avalanche. In fact, at times I thought he was the only defenseman they had. He was. So 35, while not necessarily old, but you got to take into account where he's been playing and how hard he's been playing. And mm, There's some mileage on that body. Yes. But he's down to 15 minutes a night, and his on-ice save percentage is just a hair better than Connor Clifton's on-ice save percentage, which is odd because I didn't think either one of them were goaltenders, but hey. Uh, But their third issue, and this one's kind of got me questioning, even more so than, you know, bringing in Connor, bringing in Eric Johnson, not shopping Victor Olofsson hard enough. Victor Olofsson is not exactly chop liver when it comes to putting the puck in the net. Mm-hmm. Yes, he struggled, and it says he struggled in his 13 games this season so far with his five points, but um, your team is not exactly faring all that well. The goaltending has Devin Levy or Levi or however he wants to pronounce it now that he's left Northeastern. Um, not exactly the savior that they were expecting, at least not this year. It is his first full season. I'll give mm-hmm. him I'll give him a little bit of a break. But the team is not exactly performing, and you're picking on the one guy who he's struggling this year and he's playing a career low. I don't know that I don't know that there should be any picking of anything at this particular point in time with the Buffalo franchise. You and I expected more out of this team. Yes. And currently it's not looking so good for Buffalo because, oh, wait, they're like four spots out of a wild card, four places out of a wild card spot. Nine, ten, and two, 476 points percentage, minus 11 goal differential. I think this is the wrong time to be pointing fingers. Okay, fine. It was was paying Connor Clifton three point three million. Hey, if you want to trade him back to Boston for a reasonable, you know, like you'll take Ian Mitchell or Ian Mitchell and I don't know bag of pucks or something. I, I'm not going to turn around and give you the Hall of Fame. Well, maybe I would. Should we give him the Hall of Famer for Connor Clifton and a draft pick? Exactly. But I'm just I just think this is the a this is the wrong time to be pointing fingers. And I think there are other places that their focus should be. You're focusing on. You're focusing on a guy who's coming in and you knew what you were getting. Connor Clifton is a physical guy. He's there to hit. He's not an offensive output kind of guy. He's. Mostly a defensive defenseman. He's physical. He likes to hit. He's. But if your defense is offensively focused, such as Owen Power, such as Rasmus Dahlin, uh, your top two guys. So now you're relying on these other guys to do all of your defending. 
Uh, and again, we can look at this team, this team, the Buffalo Sabres, um, because I'm starting to sound like a, re- a broken record. Their goaltending isn't good. They had to bring in Uko. They had to bring in Uko Pekka in against Boston because Devin Levy gave up five goals. Devin Levy, uh, Levy, Levy Levi, however he wants. Eight seventy six save percentage. Yeah, nine games yeah. played. No. Eric Comrie, eight seventy seven save percentage, five oh. games played, okay. only one win in those five games. Mm-hmm. Uko Pekka ten games. Five wins in those time, 914 save percentage. That's definitely better than the other two schmoes. Yes. But it's not good. 914 save percentage? That's. On that team, that's good. On that team, that's like almost what Linus Omark was doing on that team. I think Omar either had a nine. He was either a nine twelve or a nine seventeen over his career with with Buffalo, which is okay, why. Okay, so we're all goaltenders right now with six games played. <laughs> Uko Pekalukinen is tied with John Gibson at nine fourteen, and they sit fifteenth and sixteenth overall for goals yes, for goaltenders. With as I said, with six games or more played. John Gibson needs a new home as well, but that's another topic for another time. Uh, and yes, that only puts them a a hair breadth above Carter Hart and Jake Ottinger. Jake is down there too. See, another one that's struggling. Let's complain about Jake Ottinger. Seriously, no. It, I think this is the wrong time to be complaining about what's going on in Buffalo. I think you need to focus on fixing what you have and not focusing on, well, we might've made a mistake on these. You know, I just think that the writers need to redirect their focus. Like maybe talking about Thatcher Demko for both MVP and Vesna. Thatcher Demko is having a year, huh? 15 games played, 10 wins, nine twenty-five save percentage, two shutouts. No one in the top ten has played more games. Well, you're trying to. They're trying to. They were talking about this on the TNT, and they're like, "Oh, Vancouver, and they got the three guys at the top of the chart, you know, with 28 points apiece." And this, and I'm like, "Have you looked at the goaltending? Because Dacia Demko's kind of healthy now, and oh, he's kind of good." <laughs> it does help that they have a certain Mr. Hughes who can actually remove the puck from the defensive zone. I'm not, I've never seen it written down, but I'm told that that's somewhat important to the other aspects of the game, like not allowing goals and actually scoring them yourself. Well, the, 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 the guy with a lot of pads on, he's the guy that's relied upon to be the last line of defense. That would be that that Demko guy who's, you know, oh, wait, actually pretty good and has a 925 save percentage and a 2.18 goals against average. Mm. 
you think maybe the one goals higher per last year when he had a 3.16 and a 901 that maybe he was playing a little hurt nope and and now he's healthy nope hmm. can't have anything to do with it really nothing at all nope. definitely not wow that's that sucks we we need to somehow actually i i think we should change up the uh will he or won't he <laughs> Um, I think we should ask, will Thatcher Demko finish the season with a top 10 save percentage? Where is he right now? I ha- I'm not looking at NHL statistics or, or league Oh, statistics. he's like seventh overall, but he's played more games than anyone else in the top 10. But he's still with it. He's still in the top 10. Will he finish there is the question. Yeah. No, I think it's a better question than... What did we have before, Jacob Truba, or will? I mean, yeah. I, I mean that's a fun question. You can get me save wrong. the tr- Jacob Truba question for a week or next week, but I like this one for now. Works for me, and sounds like sounds like Cisco's in too. It was all in on uh, us getting the show finished up. <laughs> that could be it right there. Yeah. The third member of our crew, the motivator. <laughs> the pace setter, he is the straw that, straw that stirs the drinks. There you go. That would be Cisco. <laughs> but along with Cisco, I think we uh, I think he's right. I think we've covered everything. It certainly oh, looks that way. We did not cover one thing. But it shouldn't take all more than a couple of minutes. Uh, last week's will he or won't he results. Ah, uh, yes. Go ahead and uh, read those off to us. Well, what I'm looking at, based on what I have access to, will he or won't he? Jake DeBrusque be a Boston Bruin at the start of the 24-25 season, which would be next year. We have... Um, Forty-two point nine percent. So forty. We have forty-three percent who are incorrect and fifty-seven percent who said no. I'm sorry. Did I read that wrong? I, I think you might have read the uh, answers gig- wrong. Why don't you try one more time? You're giggling. Oh, okay. So forty-three percent said yes and still are wrong. But 57% said, no, he will not be a member next year. I, I, I tend to agree with the no's here. I, I, I don't know that it's not helping him. How do I put this? It's not helping him the slow start that he's having this year. I'm not saying that I want to see him gone, but I just got this feeling that he's going to not be here. They're going to look to free up a little cap space. They want to get Lysel. You want to bring Lysel up. They're going to want to bring. They're going to. They're going to need to make a roster spot. It frees up money. They can go and get themselves a, another third or fourth line forward, or bring in another mm, space holding defenseman. I just don't think it's going to happen. You. Um, 
Ask me at the trade deadline. No, I, I, I genuinely think if he's still here at the trade deadline, then yes, he'll be back next season. Oh, okay. I, I mean, fair enough, but it seems like you're you're on the fence and not making a decision or making a call. Well, he's <laughs> been a streaky player his whole career. We've known yes. this. When he yes. scored that his second goal of the season the other night, um, yeah, you before could, you he could. scored his third, I said on Twitter, I fully expect that he could he could pop in six or seven goals between you know that night and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's if he's getting if he stays healthy and he's gets into that groove again, yeah, he'll be back in that twenty five twenty seven goal. Um, uh, zone and there's no reason not to keep it particularly if the cap goes up as much as they're projecting that's a that's a big what if I mean I think it I think it will as well but just keep in mind Johnny Beecher had three goals before Jake DeBrus did I will certainly <laughs> keep that in mind <laughs> Now we've covered everything on the board. <laughs> and that, hockey fans, is where we leave you. Um, have a great week. Um, enjoy the hockey. Um, let us know in comments and tweets um, what you think. Uh, anything you want us to talk about, drop us a text if you, uh, if you have our numbers. Have a great week. <laughs>